Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. So, uh, we are on the downhill slide of finishing up the book of Colossians. So, we're in Colossians 4. If you'd like to go ahead and turn there if you have not yet. Colossians chapter 4. I, I personally have enjoyed this, our time together in the book of Colossians. I, I think that we've, we've covered just such a wide variety of topics and... This is what they call, some, some men have called, the divine rhythm of Scripture. That right at the right time, you know, we, we come across a passage that we need that's timely. Um, and so it just happens from just going through the book, going through the books and expounding them and setting our hearts to understand what it is that God would have us to learn and to know. Today, we're going to be looking at prayer. I've entitled this sermon today, Devoted to Prayer, as you can see there in your bulletin. And now more than ever, um, we need to be a people of prayer. There, I don't have to inform you of all of the chaos and tragedy and turmoil in our world today. And you know what the, uh, the answer is, is people who are praying. I believe it was Charles Spurgeon who said that a, a prayerful church is a powerful church. The church, the power doesn't come from us. It comes from absolute dependence and reliance upon God. And we access that through prayer by going before the throne room boldly, as it says in the scriptures, and pleading the cause of, of the nation, of the people, and asking for mercy and for grace. Prayer is one of those spiritual disciplines that often goes quite neglected. Many people are in the habit of going prayerless, of, of just maybe your prayer is on the way to work. God help me don't, not to get in a wreck and not to be late. Uh, maybe your prayer life is, dear God, thank you for this meal. And that's the extent of your prayer life. And for that, that always correlates with a lack of spiritual depth. You will always be spiritually shallow if you do not have a prayer discipline. You can bet on that. You can guarantee that. Why? Because the Lord has ordained that he works through prayer. God is sovereign. We know this. We've, we've learned this at length, especially in our attributes of God's study, that God is entirely sovereign. He doesn't need our help, but in his sovereignty, he has ordained that the way that he works is by people who are called by his name, humbling themselves and praying. And unless we do that, my friends, church, we won't see him acting we, we, we leave ourselves out of what God is doing in the world. That's not to imply, I don't mean to say that God won't act. Because God is going to find the people who pray. 
whether it's us or other people, he will raise up a people who pray. That's the story throughout Scripture. So, this morning, we know that maybe some people don't pray because they don't know how. Maybe you don't realize the importance of it. And I hope that from this text, from from Paul's letter to the Colossians, that you will get some practical know-how for your prayer life. So, let's stand and let's read Colossians 4, verse 2 through 4. This is the word of God. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we humble ourselves before you this morning, especially me, Father, and and confess, Lord, that we we fall short in so many areas and so many of the the spiritual disciplines that that are more than just do this, do that. We fall short in the things that we need to be doing to to grow and to know you. So, Lord, I pray that through your word, God, that your spirit would convict our hearts, Lord, and that you would also strengthen us and encourage us to, to grow in prayer, Lord. I pray that I would serve as nothing more than just a vessel through which you, you transfer your word to your people, Lord. May you be glorified this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated. So as we begin to take this text apart and really examine it, I want to start off with looking at prayer. Uh, What is prayer? Um, I know that might seem like a silly question for those of you who have been going to church since before you were born, Um, but we need to understand what prayer is. We We need to understand exactly what we mean when we're talking about prayer. Um, I have a, a John Piper quote for you. John Piper says it this way, and I thought it was really short and really nails it. John Piper says that prayer is intentionally conveying a message to God. That simple. That it is intentionally conveying a message to God. I really like this quote because I love the word that he uses, intentionally. Why? Because prayer doesn't ever happen just by chance. No one has ever developed a prayer life by happenstance. I don't know what happened. I just, all of a sudden, I woke up one day and I was praying. And then ever since then, I just have a good prayer discipline. That usually doesn't happen. No, what it takes is real intentionality and us really setting our hearts to say, I am going to pray. I am going to seek the Lord. The prayer is an intentional, purposeful act of the will whereby I focus my attention towards heaven and I convey to my Father all that is in my heart as I seek to get in line with what is in His. Let me break that down. It is intentional, purposeful act of the will. 
That means you have to engage yourself. You have to say, I am going to do this. I am going to be in prayer. I am going to commit this much time a day, this part of my day to prayer. And I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to do this. It's an intentional, purposeful act of the will whereby I focus my attention towards heaven. We remember from Colossians 3, the beginning of uh, chapter 3, he said, Seek the things that are above. Set your minds on heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth. And how much does that absolutely apply to you in prayer? Set my mind towards heaven, thinking about, God, your will be done here on this earth. Not thinking about, I need to hurry up and pray so I can vacuum. I need to hurry up and pray before I get, so I need to get to work. But intentionally setting my heart towards heaven. And I convey to my Father all that is in my heart. You see, if you are born again, the scriptures say that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons that now cries out, Abba, Father towards God. It cries out, the Spirit within you cries out, Abba, Father. That means that there's a term of endearment. My, my dad, my father. And so I share with him all that is in my heart, just like it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast your cares, cast your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Because if you are born again, you are his child. You are his, and he cares. Bring it to him in prayer. And then we round it out by saying, I seek to get in line with what is in his heart. You see, prayer is not an opportunity to just come before God and give him a list of complaints and then go about your day. He's not, the, he's not a customer service line, right? He's not a spiritual Santa's lap, right? Prayer is not... Uh, sitting on Santa's lap where I just give him a list of my demands. I want this, I want this, bless me with that, bless me with that. Okay, see you later, God. No, it is an opportunity for you to get in line with what is in God's heart. It's an opportunity for you to put yourself in line with what God wants, knowing that if I seek first the kingdom of God, that is my responsibility is to seek first the kingdom. I want you to get your Bible. I want you to turn to Psalm 119. I want you to look at this with me. If you've never read Psalm chapter 119, I really encourage you to do so. It's very long. It's over a hundred verses long, but it is a brilliant display of meditating on the word of God and being prayerful about the word of God. And as we're going to see here, you're going to go to verse 25 when you get to Psalm 119. As you see here, it is an excellent way to see how to pray. We're going to read Psalm 119, 25 to 32. Here's what he says. He says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. 
Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Here it is. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Wow. That's how we should pray. You see, the psalmist brought his plea, his plight before God. He said, my heart is filled with sorrow. He's very sad, in case you didn't get, get, catch that. He is very, very sad. But what does he spend most of his time talking about? Lord, teach me your law. Teach me how to walk in your statutes. Teach me how to obey you. Teach me how to, how to fulfill your will for my life. And in the same way, that's how we ought to pray. Is that we bring the Lord our the, all that's in our heart. And then we ask him, Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your laws. Teach me how to walk in the way of truth. Teach me how to faithfully serve you, God. May this be the heart that we take upon us. Prayer is of the utmost importance. It is a critical spiritual discipline. Personal intimacy with God and growing in Christ's likeness are hingent upon doing this often. You cannot get near to God. If you cannot be close to God if you never draw near to Him in prayer. It's just not possible. Thus, as we were, we're going to study here in our text, Paul gives us five guidelines for prayer. So the first word, the first guideline that he shows us is that we ought to be devoted to prayer. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. That's 4-2-A. Now, I know that your Bible doesn't say 4-2-A and B and C. We're just doing that for our purposes, for note-taking purposes. But 4-2-A, my Bible says continue steadfastly in prayer. Most of your Bibles probably say be devoted to prayer or devote yourself to prayer. And basically, it's conveying the same message. Paul is saying to the Colossians that he wants them to persist in prayer, to be busily engaged in prayer, to be faithful in praying. Many are in the habit, as we said earlier, of going prayerless, of just seeing prayer as a maybe, or if I have time, or when we're at church, or before the meals occasionally when I remember. But prayer is so much more than that. Often you'll hear people say, or maybe you've said yourself, tell me if you've heard this, I guess all we can do is pray. I guess that's our last option. Man, I really wish we could do something, but I guess all we can do is pray. That's not the mentality that Paul has here, is it? Paul's not saying, hey guys, you know, you've, you've tried everything. 
you know, you tried to hire me a good attorney. That didn't work. You tried to, to bail me out of jail. Because he's in jail here. He's in prison. He's not saying, you've tried everything else, guys. I guess, you know what? Pray. Let's pray now. Let's try that out. Maybe that'll work. Who knows? Cross your fingers. Maybe God will hear us from heaven. That's not the attitude, is it? This, in fact, is what we call an imperative. He's saying, do this. Devote yourself to this. Put your whole heart into praying. Prayer is not the last option when you've run out of answers. It is the answer regardless of your other options. Prayer is not the last option or the last option when you've run out of answers. It's the answer regardless of the other options. We must devote ourselves to prayer. You can look up, you can write down Ephesians chapter 6. Paul will go into great detail about prayer there as well. It's a parallel passage to what we're reading. And in that passage, he says to pray at all times. Jesus tells the disciples in Luke 18 verse 1 that they ought always to pray. Romans 12, 12 says be constant in prayer. Do you see that here, that the Bible is making it very, very clear. You need to pray. And often, not just once, here and there, be constant, be always praying, always pray. Many people say, well, I'm just too busy. I don't have time to pray. You don't understand how busy my schedule is. Let me once again quote somebody who's a lot smarter than me. The great reformer Martin Luther says, I have so much to do that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. That almost seems silly to us, doesn't it? What do you mean you're so busy that you have to spend three hours in prayer? That doesn't even make sense. But that's somebody who understands that it doesn't matter how much I have to do. I can't be productive in the things of God if I don't seek God. I can't be productive in what God wants for me unless I go ask Him. Unless I go set my heart on Him. Unless I go seek Him first. It doesn't matter what else I have to do. Because I can be very, very productive all day long. But if I neglect the Lord, what have I truly accomplished? Or we could say it this way, the way that Scripture does. What good does it for you to gain the world and lose your soul? This is understanding that prayer is not optional. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm so busy I can't breathe. I can't take any more breaths. I'm too busy. No one's ever said that ever. Why? Because we know that we need to breathe to live. But we need to understand that in order to, for our spirit to flourish, we need to pray every bit as much as we need to breathe. We have to, church. Moreover, we do have time. I'm going to quote John Piper again. I'm going to quote a lot of people, okay? So you're just going to, if you get mad at me, that's fine. John Piper says it like this, that one of the great uses 
of Twitter and Facebook, and we could add in every other social media outlet, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Ouch. That one hit me in the mouth. I don't know how about you. One of the great uses of social media, of of having a computer in your pocket, will be to show on the last day that our prayerlessness wasn't because we didn't have time. We have the time. We need to utilize it. That's why Paul opens up by saying, continue steadfastly. Don't quit. Keep doing it. We must be very intentional to set a time each day that we will stop, we will put all distractions aside, and we will be alone with God. Not pray as you get ready, not pray as you do 18 other things, but that you will stop. You will press pause. If you don't pray right now, start with five minutes of undivided time with God where you lock the door, you put your phone away, you put your watch away, you put everything away, and it's you and God. Do this and see how God works in your heart. We can't expect nearness to God, I will reiterate, that we cannot expect nearness to God when we so neglect to draw near to Him in prayer. It will not happen. Our second guideline is to be alert while you pray. My Bible says being watchful in it. Yours might say to be alert. But that's the point that he's conveying to the Colossians that it's not enough that they just pray for the sake of praying. Don't just pray just because. Don't don't just heap up empty words to heaven expecting that you're actually accomplished something, but set your mind on your prayer. Mark 14, 38, Jesus says this, Watch and pray. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Church, nobody in here wants to pray by just their natural desires. Our flesh has no desire to pray. That's why if we wait for the day to just magically wake up and just magically we're just super Christian now, it's not going to happen. We have to set our hearts in prayer. We have to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be focused. Be watchful and alert in prayer. The flesh is willing, I mean, the flesh is weak. But the Spirit within you, the Holy Spirit within you, is willing. This is why we see commands like in in verse 5 of chapter 3, that we are to put to death that which is earthly within us. We have to put to death our desire to watch Netflix instead of pray. Put that to death. We have to put to death our desire to be distracted and think about what we're going to make for dinner or the bills that need to be paid while we're praying, put that to death and say, not right now, I'm focusing on my God. I'm focusing on my Savior. Is He not worthy of your time, church? Spurgeon 
again, says it like this, if I feel myself disinclined to pray, then is the time when I need to pray more than ever. What does that mean? It means when I don't want to pray is when I need to pray the most. Because in those times, your heart is growing cold. The flesh is starting to grow like a weed inside of you. And you need to put that stuff to death through prayer. Take the Bible in there with you. Open it up. Read it. Ask God to open your eyes and your mind and your heart so that you can understand his word. Church, he promises us that if we seek him, we will find him. This isn't just a, I hope this works. It's a guarantee from the Lord God Almighty. In Philippians 2.13, Paul writes that God works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. God works in you. So all of you, if you are born again and if you have the Spirit of God within you, the Holy Spirit within you cries out, it's time to pray, it's time to pray, go pray, go pray. And at that moment, either your flesh is going to win and you're going to say, I'm too busy or I'm too this or I'm too that. Or you're going to listen and obey. That's the Spirit working within you to cause you to do the things that are pleasing to God. Listen to that voice. Our job is to cooperate. That when we feel that tug, turn off the TV. Put your phone up. Put everything away. And go and focus. Be alone with God. Then Paul says, for our third point, to be thankful in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Have you ever noticed how much Paul talks about being thankful? But he's somebody who just suffered over and over again. He's in prison writing this right now. And as his chains cling against the table as he writes this. He's saying, be thankful. How is that? Because Paul knows very well that even if I just suffer my whole life and, and I just never see any material blessing of any sort, great is my reward in heaven even if I don't see anything of it here in this lifetime, he writes that I am convinced that this light, momentary affliction, what is he saying? This isn't even anything compared to the glory that awaits me in heaven. Bring it on. Chain me up. You want to lash my back again? Do it. You want to kill me? Great. I'll be near to Christ. You want to leave me alive? Great. I'll write letters to the church. You couldn't do anything to this guy. Why? Not because he was just a super Christian. It's because Paul understood that his life belongs to God. He's not his own. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Oh, church. What God could do through some people who live that way today. Who say, 
I don't care about anything else. God just used me. And if I drown trusting God, I would rather drown trusting God than stay on the shoreline dry, having no faith in him. Because the God who calls you is faithful. Moreover, what do we not have to be thankful of here in America? We are blessed with a ridiculous amount of riches in this country. When we compare ourselves to other countries, we're all doing pretty well. You you look around your home, the food that you have. You have coffee to drink, that's a luxury. Do you have water, clean water? That's a luxury. Do you have clothing? Thank God. This is why in in chapter 2, verse 7, Paul says to abound in thanksgiving. Gratitude unto God is such a key aspect of spiritual growth. The continued realization that all I have is God's, and God is all I have, will lead to gratitude. He's given me everything. Everything I have is his. Nothing that I have is not his. And the more that we grow in our knowledge of the gospel, the more that we grow in our deep affection and gratitude for what God has done through the cross, as you learn about that and as you cling to that, you will be hard-pressed to find any moment in your life to be lacking gratitude. You'll find a hard, it'll be very hard for you to find a reason to complain. Yes, even in the midst of tremendous suffering and heartache, because God is more wonderful, more lovely, more loving, more beautiful than anything in this world. Number four. So we look at verse 3. What does he say? At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Our fourth guideline is to pray for the lost. Paul moves to directing the Colossians to pray also for him. Let's just... Let's really just take a moment to really consider what Paul is saying here. Paul is in prison. And he's not asking them to pray for freedom. Pray that I'll get out of this situation. That's what we pray for, isn't it? Pray that God will allow me to leave this awful situation. What is Paul saying? Pray that God will open a door right where I'm at to spread the gospel. Church, we must be of that mindset that pray that wherever I'm at, that God will open up a door that I can share the gospel and declare the mystery of Christ to a lost, perishing world. He didn't ask for a a comfortable bed, a good attorney. He didn't ask that he'd be able to plea bargain. He didn't ask for any of those things. He asked that God's work would go forth. A door for the word. Church, this is an object lesson for us. How many times do we pray about 
things and really selfish and self-centered. Pray that God will give me something. Fill in the blank. And that's fine. Again, bring your cares before the Lord. But then we must reorient our focus and our thoughts on, but most importantly, pray that God is glorified in my life. Pray that no matter where I'm at in my life, I will bring glory to God. I will spread his gospel. I will declare the mystery of Christ wherever I'm at. That's a prayer that's going to be answered. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. Open more doors, God. This is a man who understands wholeheartedly the purpose for which he lives and to which he has been called. And we need to be of the same mind. As much as we want this church to grow numerically, our focus of our prayers needs to be God open to us a door for the gospel that we can declare the mystery of Christ to a lost, perishing world. Do we want to see these seats full? Absolutely. But more than any of that, we need to want to see people full of the Spirit. People full of the love of Jesus Christ. Let that be our focus, church. Let that be our deepest desire that God just opened the door for us. Wherever it's at, whatever it looks like, who cares? Just be glorified and save some people. Brother Ard explained a while back how the Lord helped him to see that the most important thing that he could pray for, for a lost family member, wasn't their healing, but their spiritual healing. Did he want that physical healing? Yes, of course. Pray for that. But most importantly, what people need is to come to a saving faith and a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It does no good for me to pray for my lost family or friends that they would get a better job or that they would get over the flu or that they would this or that. Because again, what good does it do to gain the world and lose your soul? No, our focus as Christians is pray for my lost family that, that God saves them, that God gives them a new heart, that God takes out their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. That is the most important prayer that we can pray for anybody. God, please save. God, please show up. And use your gospel to save some. That's what we're here for, church. In just the same way that the most important prayer that we can pray for someone else is for their salvation. The most important prayer that you can pray for yourself is for your own salvation. So I'll ask you this morning. Do you have this spirit working within you? causing you to desire the things of God? Do you have the Spirit working within you that cries out to God, Abba, Father? Do you have this Spirit within you that desires intimacy with God, that now hates the sin you once loved? And if not, you need to know that 
Jesus Christ has made a way for you to be in close, near relationship with him. See, we all abide under God's wrath. We need to know that. We're all born sinners, every last one of us. I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying, I don't think God wants to save me. Look at me. And I was telling him, even as sinful and dirty as you are, you are not beyond God's saving arm. Are you alive this morning? Is there breath in your lungs? It's because God is giving you an opportunity to repent. He's motioning to you like this, saying, come to me. Repent of your sins. Put your faith in me, and I will save you. Because Jesus Christ bore all of your sins on the cross of Calvary. And he died under the wrath of God. And he now lives where he is at the right hand of the Father. And if you will call upon him as Lord, the scriptures say that you will be saved. Lastly, it's to pray for church leaders. Paul goes on to say, that I may preach clearly, which is how I ought to speak. Isn't that interesting? That We always consider the Apostle Paul as this titan of the faith. And here, Paul is asking for the prayers of some church to help him to preach, to help him to speak clearly. Like, Paul, you wrote the book of Romans. You know, like, everything there is to know about doctrine and theology, and you're asking us to pray for you? Paul understands that the power is not found within himself. It is found within the Spirit of God working through him. It is found through him being much in prayer and others being much in prayer for him. Pray for church leaders across the world. Church, now more than ever, supposed Christians are falling left and right. Church leaders are falling left and right, compromising to the whims of the culture, compromising to the, the new ideals and the new ideologies that are offered up by sinful people. And in an effort to keep the church doors open or to keep people coming or to promote a podcast or to promote the, some other ministry, they compromise. And they don't speak the mystery of Christ clearly. Pray for church leaders today that they wouldn't do that, that they would be emboldened, that they would stand up and stand firm in what God has said, knowing that his word is inerrant, it's infallible, it never changes, it never will. It is from eternity to eternity, God's word is. Pray for church leaders and pray for me. Because I to that I see that same temptation as anybody else boy it really is easy to fill church seats when you compromise the message when you start to say what everybody wants to hear church that's easy I could do that I could, I could come up here and say some really awesome fun make you feel good tickle you on your way out of here kind of stuff but what good would that serve you 
Moreover, I would stand condemned before God. So pray for me that I would never compromise on the word of God. That I would stand firm on what God's word says, knowing that this word is true. And there are no true words found outside of this scriptures. Knowing that God's word is sufficient to accomplish God's work. We must pray at all times, for all things. Prayer is not our last option when there are no other answers, but it is the answer regardless of other options. As we wait for God to answer our prayer, let us remember that he has called us to faithfulness in the present time. So while you wait for God to answer prayers of guidance, prayers for wisdom, prayers for open doors of the gospel, be faithful to what it is that you know you've already been called to do. Set your mind on heavenly things. Put to death deeds of the flesh. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Fathers, lead your families. Children, obey your parents. Employees, work unto the glory of God. Employers, treat your employees fairly. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and continue to bring your petitions before the Lord and open doors for the gospel. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, I, I, I just want to be the first to confess among us here, God, how easy it is to go prayerless. How easy it is to excuse our lack of prayer because of a busy schedule, because of this, because of that. Father, we confess that before you today, Lord, and we repent of that today. And we ask, Father, that you would continue to, to stir in us and stir in us anew, Lord. That we would realize and remember the joy of our salvation. Realize and remember that you alone possess all the power and that you are our provider, Lord. And that if we trust you and if we seek first the kingdom of God, Lord, that you will be glorified in our lives and you will use us. Please go with us, Lord. Please help us to devote ourselves to prayer, to be alert while we pray, to be thankful in our prayers. Help us to remember to pray for open doors for the gospel and help us to pray for church leaders all across the world. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.